The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Glory Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven will be as when a man, going on a journey, summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. The one who had received the five talents went off at once and traded with them and made five more talents. In the same way, the one who had the two talents made two more talents. But the one who had received the one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. Then the one who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you handed over to me five talents. See, I have made five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one with the two talents also came forward, saying, Master, you handed over to me two talents. See, I have made two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Then the one who had received the one talent also came forward, saying, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master replied, You wicked and lazy slave, you knew, did you, that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I did not scatter? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and on my return I would have received what was mine own with interest. So take the talent from him, and give it to the one with the ten talents. For to all those who have, more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. As for this worthless slave... Throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, Lord Christ.
I had a friend in high school whose father gave him the equivalent of his college tuition and a choice. He could invest his money and pay for college, invest it and keep it, or spend it and not go to college. My friend didn't have to think about his decision for very long. He invested the money and used it to pay for college. He later became a wealth manager and now invests other people's money as well. He will tell you that it isn't always easy, whether you play it safe or fast and loose. There's always a certain level of risk and anxiety that accompanies it. This morning's gospel reading tells us the story of a master who, in his preparation to leave town, distributes money to three slaves. One receives five talents, one receives two talents, and one receives one talent. Each receives according to his ability. The first two invest the money, receiving double on their return. The third buries the money. When the master returns, he applauds the first two and he decries the third. Words like lazy and wicked get thrown around. Emotions are running high and the whole thing culminates in the gnashing of teeth. It's all fun and games until somebody gets hurt. The parable we hear today seems like a transactional theology based on taking what we are given in life and either succeeding or failing. The more risk we are willing to take, the greater the payoff. The less we are willing to risk, the less return we will realize. This might sound logical, even reasonable, but ask any wealth manager and, you will tell you, and they will tell you there is a lot more to it than that. For instance, there is the rule of 72, a calculation based on percentage points to determine how many years it might take to double your investment. Let's say you invest in a 5% guaranteed rate of return. It will take you 14 and a half years to double your investment. The master was gone a long time. But it is in the investor's ability to take on the risk and the kind of risk they are willing to assume that will often drive not only one's attitude toward investing, but one's strategy as well. Thus, the wicked and lazy slave. His ability to assume risk is significantly small, practically non-existent. So instead of investing even in a money market, he protects the money, assuring that it will not grow, but neither will it suffer loss. The master, however, is not pleased with these actions and seems to punish the slave, not praise him. That seems a bit counterintuitive. The master didn't tell the slave to invest his money. He didn't tell him anything. He just gave him the talent. We might expect punishment only if the money had been lost, mishandled, or perhaps used for personal gain. None of that happened. And I think that might be our biggest clue 
that this is not about a transactional theology. And instead, it is about the deeper drives and motivations in our response to God and the gifts that he has given us. When my friend was making his decision to invest his money, he knew the clock was ticking. We were juniors in high school. He had about two years to make a significant return off that initial investment in order to afford his first year of tuition. He calculated his risk across a variety of opportunities and finally decided to invest in a particular company that I really won't name except to tell you it began with Trojan, a little unseemly for a sermon or a church service, but the risk paid off. It paid off, however, not without a little bit of doubt and a whole lot of anxiety along the way. Years later, he would describe those two years as filled with doubt. He wasn't sure if he would succeed or fail. At times, he thought he should just take the money and not worry about college. But college was his dream, and he could not fathom a future without it. So he took the risk and refused to allow his doubts to speak to him. Unlike my friend, the wicked slave allowed his doubts to override any sense of possibility or opportunity for furthering what he already had. Not only did he allow fear to become the focal point of his life, he then spent a goodly amount of time blaming others for his doubts and his fears, instead of accepting any personal responsibility for his actions. When his master confronted him about the talent that he had given him, the slave attempts to shift responsibility for his lack of imagination or initiative by blaming his master, calling him harsh and a thief. He had obviously not attended one of Dale Carnegie's courses on how to win friends and influence people. The master, of course, will have nothing to do with this, and he calls the slave out. The slave is thrown into the outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. But that is not the master's fault. We might appreciate the lack of ingenuity by the slave and how that might result in detrimental circumstances, but we do not get to blame the master, nor by extension do we get to blame God or call him judgmental. Being thrown out is less literal language and more metaphorical language for the slave's realization of his own fears, of where his life has already been leading him. He didn't invest the master's money because he was limited by his fear. That fear is the cause of his weeping and gnashing of teeth, not the master. The wicked and lazy slave may well never connect those dots, in part because his fear and self-centeredness continue to rule over him and limit his ability to dream about greater possibilities or opportunities. This story is not meant to weaponize scripture into judgment or a punishing transactional theology. 
It is meant to afford us new ways of thinking about who we are in the eyes of God and how we respond to the gifts and opportunities that God gives to each of us. When we are ruled by fear and doubt, we are limited and do nothing, much less will we dare to even dream. When we release those fears and doubts, we can embrace possibilities we might never have thought of or otherwise been able to even imagine. My friend couldn't help but dream. His future lay ahead of him, and he now had some mastery over what he might do and become. Failure was an option. But to him, the greater risk was to do nothing. He knew that doubt kills more dreams than failure does. And in that moment of his life, he had been empowered by his father to do something more with his life and discover who he truly was in the process. He wasn't simply playing a transactional economic game. He was discovering who he wanted to be and how he could become that person. To have risked nothing would have been to have lost everything. Instead, he gained himself. The first two slaves who doubled their master's money were invited into his joy. But that probably had a lot to do with the joy and the hopes that they already felt. They were fulfilled by this experience, and they found satisfaction in what they had done. The third slave was dominated by his fear and his doubt. It spoke words of darkness to him and limited his ability to participate in life in creative and productive ways. He played it safe and he lost because his fear overruled his hope. The imitation that we are always being offered by God is the invitation to live in this world from a position of hope instead of fear, from a place in which we embrace possibility instead of limiting ourselves with doubt, an invitation to live in light and not the outer darkness. Amen.